This is Game Theory, a podcast about competition, strategy, and decision-making, hosted by me, Nick Andrews, and my brother, Chris. In this episode, cheating scandals have rocked the world of chess, poker, and fishing. In the span of less than 72 hours, an apparent cheating scandal rocked the world of high-stakes poker and competitive angling. The two viral moments interrupted primetime and professional college football, setting the internet ablaze with anger and sleuthing. These two scandals come about one month after the biggest cheating scandal in competitive chess history, a scandal that made the ancient game the subject of the most international news coverage in its history. So in this episode, Chris and I break down what makes a cheater, how they get caught, what they're doing wrong, and how it's getting worse. Episode 42, that's 4-2, of Game Theory, your podcast about competition, strategy, decision-making, hosted by me and my brother, Chris. And Chris, uh, yeah, we have we were not going to do this episode. We thought about it. We said we're not going to do an episode about chess and cheating, but then more cheating just kept happening on the internet, so we had to. It's a weird time for cheating in, like, kind of obscure sports. It's like ESPN and the ATH, and, and we're not talking about the type of cheating that Ned from the Try Guys was doing. For those of you that are on TikTok.com slash videos. Yeah, I know who the Try Guys are because the, the redheaded one cheated on his hot wife with a producer and got fired. And the craziest thing is that they started this super lucrative YouTube channel from BuzzFeed. That's the real thing here. Well, and it, it, the, it, the, the cherry on top of this guy cheating on his wife is that his whole brand, the whole time he was with these Try Guys or slash BuzzFeed slash whomever, is that he was like a wife guy. He's mm-hmm. like, I love my wife. My wife is the only important thing in the world to me. And like one time in an interview, they asked him, what's a deal breaker for you in a relationship? And his response was a single word, cheating. Mm, yeah. And here we are, life imitating art. Yeah. And we're talking about a different kind of cheating. We're talking about cheating to win, not cheating to destroy your life. Right. And so we will eventually get into cheating in, in sports with regard to steroids. Um, that's a different kind of thing. And Chuck Klosterman wrote about it. And it's a whole thing. But we are going to focus on three obscure sports. This is ESPN sports that would be on at like 7 a.m. on a Tuesday in July. That's what would be in greater northwestern Moldova. Right, exactly. So those are chess. And then we talked, we met referenced it a couple of times in the show. And it's been that's been a thing that's been going on for about six weeks now. And then in the last like 48 to 72 hours, we've had an enormous poker scandal and an enormous bass fishing scandal that just took over the internet. So we are here to discuss cheating and how these people got caught and why they got caught and like the deeper level of like this, how people raise suspicion and why they did it. So ridiculous. They all have something in common, which is just kind of the weirdest part about this. And, and then they also have another thing in common, which is that the expertise of their opponents was able to be like, mm, what the fuck is this? So that's really great. So we should probably start with the chess one because it's been the most widely reported. Um, and we are like game nerds and, and chess nerds. And then of course we'll get into poker and then the bass fishing one. So let's um, let's summarize all three things and then we'll start in chess. So in chess, Chris, you want to talk about Magnus? Yeah, Magnus Carlsen is a 31-year-old chess legend. But you guys, it's it's entirely possible that we're living through 
the, the real life progress of the greatest chess player of all time. He's yeah. just an incredible player. He's been a world champion for years. He's defended his his title multiple times. Uh, just an absolute genius of the game. And and his level of knowledge and expertise and like the memory that he has for classic chess games and even not so classic chess games, uh, it's it's incredible. And so he has obviously major celebrity status. He is synonymous with chess, uh, kind of outside of the chess community, really, and inside the chess community. I mean, he's so good to the he's to the point where like other super elite grandmasters who are like would be competitive for the world championship title if not for him they kind of just refer to his games like oh yeah xyz position happened and then this and this and this and they break down the lines and they do their crazy analysis and they ask questions like well why why does white do this blah 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 and like well because it's magnus like like, there's this joke going around the internet or going around that's been around for several years that's like in, in this position Magnus Carlsen would win whether he was white or black. I mean, it's, cra- it's crazy. He's just he's just in a different stratosphere. Yeah. So he uh, he has enormous sway and influence. So for this most recent cheating scandal, which we'll break down here in more detail in a second, for him to be involved, everybody everybody in the chess world has their eyes on it. Right. So it, what what essentially would happen is he played a game. He got smoked by a guy that he would never normally get smoked by. And in another scenario, it's possible that they would tie or it, I mean, it's definitely possible that he could lose to this guy. But it's highly unlikely in this format that he would lose to this guy. And it's certainly like impossible that this guy would kick his ass, which he did. The next thing that happened, uh, that was like six weeks ago. The Wall Street Journal has subsequently reported it. They had a rematch online where Magnus played one move to qualify and then resigned because he was so mad at the guy that he quits. So like, we'll get into that saga. And about 72 hours ago, as we record this in the last weekend of September, first weekend of October, uh, in I think it was, I forget, it was MGM. MGM is where I saw the video. The MGM poker is who broadcast the video on Twitter. There was a woman and a man heads up in a game of Texas Hold'em at a full table. What They weren't playing heads up. They were the only ones in the pot. It was a huge pot. She had, they, they bet, they bet, they bet. He goes all in is pretty strong she calls all in he is chasing a straight which means he's got four out of five on either end it can go and she has jack high so he his straight would be if he got a jack he would win like that's where the straight would end she had jack high and she called him and everyone's like what the fuck you have to be joking if all he had was a queen in his hand or a king or like a pair of twos would do it and she called him and she took this enormous pot everybody's watching the video like damn either she was like really into his behavior and had watched him and and you understand how people bet size and how long they take. And like, there's a real, it's kind of like chess actually where like, there's like bluffing is more about like the patterns of the data of your opponent and how long they take and how much money they put in there. And so you're thinking like, wow, this chick is a genius or she cheated. And I've got a clip that we'll play for you when we break that down where everyone's like, huh, this is weird. Uh, fun caveat is that Hans Neiman, who is denied till you die. And he's saying he never cheated. This woman never admitted to cheating, but she did give him the money back after he was like millions of people are going to see this, which is like a threat. So we'll get into all that. And then the third thing, Chris, that took over right in the middle of college football Saturday night. And this was a bigger story than anything happening in college football. It was bass fishing. Yeah, these guys, this video surfaced to these guys standing very sheepishly next to somebody who was cutting open a very large catch of walleye. And they were pulling out just huge lead weights from insides of these fish. They would cut the fish open and pull out lead weight after lead weight after lead weight. And these guys were standing by. And like they, it, it wasn't just lead weights. Like apparently somebody had placed 
other cuts, like fillets of fish. walleye, yeah. like that they bought from the store or something inside these fish to make them heavier. And it was like after they had been awarded the, the winners of the bass fishing tournament. I don't know. I guess it's tournament. The right word is it like rally or something. Uh, Derby, I think. Derby. Well, point is, these guys were the winners, and no wonder they won. It's because they were stuffing a ton of extra weight into the fish that they caught, and like everybody, everybody standing around is just haranguing these guys for obvious cheating, and it rocked the sporting world because nothing was happening in college football at the time. Yeah, well, Georgia almost did lose to Missouri, which is exciting, but nobody believed that would really happen, so nobody watched it. Yeah, so this took over the internet, which was absolutely insane, and the video was like... They need to call the cops because these other bass fishermen were going to beat these guys to death. Like, this was a very violent situation. Like, you guys need to leave. And immediately when the video, like, you can hear people shouting, they've been doing this shit for years. Like, these guys, are, their lives were at risk at this thing. And it sounds like they had been systemically cheating. So those are our three big scandals. I would like to give a shout out to another scandal that we're going to touch on here, which are the Houston Astros who were bailed out by the COVID-19 pandemic. They were going to have a year-long shame tour where people were mean to them. They had to get, they had a series scheduled in Philly, which was going to be fun. I was going to go to that for a show, man. man. But they had a very similar situation where players, they had a, a way to signal whether or not a fastball or a, or a non-fastball was coming. And then there are accusations that players were wearing buzzers, which is how... They think the poker woman and Hans Niemann cheated as well. So I have some general observations for cheating and, and why these, all of these people got caught. Observation number one is that they benefited so greatly. Like it was too much of a win. It was too big. If Hans had, had cheated and got a draw against Magnus and like chilled out and made it look like he was trying and had acted a little bit, we're probably like, hmm, he's a sketchy motherfucker, but like, Magnus drew him, whatever. Great game from Hans if he'd have chilled out. If the poker lady had just like done that in a normal hand, not where she beats a guy that's chasing a straight with a ridiculous hand and for a ton of money all in, like, okay, you can like be a low-key cheater. You can scrape a little off the top. And the same thing with these bass fishermen. If they'd have put a couple weights and just accepted third place, no one would have even fucking noticed. No one would have noticed. So like that's theme number one. Chris, theme number two is the way they got caught or the way this became a scandal is that the people that they did this to are such experts and they did it on, on film and whatnot that they were able to be like, this is bullshit. This like the fish people you can hear in the video, like that fish is bigger that this one weighs more, but that one's bigger. The fuck is going on here? So is that, does that fish hit the weights? What are we doing? Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. The, the, the consistencies there are pretty remarkable. And, and, you know, you got to wonder if, is, if it's like a snowballing effect where somebody cheats one time. They figure out, oh, I can actually get away with this. And they kind of take advantage of the system. It, like they, they, they try to do what you said in your first observation and kind of ride it out, do pretty well, accept yeah. the results, and move on. And then over time, they just get hungry and hungrier because you know, once you, you, you give somebody an inch, they take a mile. Right. And, and like, I, I wonder if it's that or if people just go all in and like, all right, I'm – I'm cheating and that's the way it is and I'm going to get away with it as long as I can get away with it. Yeah, so I, let's start with the Magnus and, and Hans thing because the other thing that all of these guys have in common is like this is not something that they're just trying out right now. They are all, they seem and have been accused of being pretty systemic at this. So let's start with that. Yeah, so Hans and so Magnus. Buzz, so, so shout out to BuzzFeed News. Uh, they had a pretty good little summary about this. They had, a, they had of course, uh, they, you can rely on BuzzFeed to give the, the eye-catching title uh, they had a story that said a conspiracy <laughs> yeah. theory about anal beads yeah. is only the beginning of a chess cheating allegation. Um, mm-hmm. Player three, I told you on a previous episode, 
We're not going to talk about anal beads. This time we are. Yeah, we, we are going to talk gonna about be, anal beads. We're yeah. going to mention that a couple of times. So the, the basic summary is that in the Sinkfeld Cup, Sinkfield Cup, I think, mm. uh, it's, a, it's a very famous, very well-attended Grandmaster Tournament in St. Louis. Yeah, St. Louis is like the chess capital of America. Uh, the it's Western where, Hemisphere, really. Yeah, it's, it's, where, it's where like the Chess Hall of Fame is. Yeah. So this is a very, very high-profile event. Uh, on September 4th, Hans Niemann and Magnus Carlsen played a game and Hans Niemann is a 19-year-old kid going up against a 31-year-old world champion. He, Hans Niemann has some pretty impressive results. I mean, he's obviously good enough to qualify for a major event like this. But Magnus Carlsen is Magnus Carlsen. Right. And so for Magnus to be playing against this kid and losing a game, that's, that's really, really remarkable. And it, and it was such a, such a high prize Purse too. I mean, it was supposed to be for three hundred fifty thousand dollars, right? And that, that's how these elite GMs make their money. So the stakes are really high. It's a very high profile event, and this kid comes in and beats Magnus. And Magnus has been around the game long enough that he's not just like a sore loser. This isn't a case of just like, all right, I can't handle the next generation of up and coming talent. Magnus will play anybody anywhere, but the problem is that his play style was so unusual. Uh, according to Carlson, mm-hmm. that something kind of seemed to be a little bit uh, fishy, to borrow a term from one of our other stories. <gasps> Get it. Damn. Oh, well. wait. No. There we are. There it is. There we are. We're, we're back with the sound effects. Mm-hmm. Impressive. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so things seem fishy. And then immediately what kind of was weird about this is that First of all, Hans has a reputation. He's banned from the largest online platform in the world for having admitted cheating multiple times, but he's definitely not cheating this time. So he was cheating on the internet, which is super easy. I can cheat on the internet. I don't. Sometimes I, I, I use a little helper. be like, I haven't seen this opening before. Just give me a little, little, little two or three move guide. Okay, re- real quick. That's what cheating is. Yeah. I think, I, I think I've shared this story before. Like classmates of mine yeah. uh, you know, would, would do homework and like somebody had the answers to one of the homework problem sets. And be like, well, you know, I'm not cheating. I'm just using it when I get stuck. Like that's cheating, dog. Mm, yeah. No, it isn't. I'll tell you why. Because it's only cheating if it works and it doesn't. So I I get I lose all the time. It doesn't really matter. I probably would be. It's the exact opposite of cheating. It's like it's it's doing something wrong. You're you're shooting yourself directly in the foot instead of shooting at your adversary. I respect the same thing. I respect that. That's that's a skill in and of itself to use cheating to play worse. Do I memorize the openings I look up? No. Good. No, yes, not that's, at all. That's so, important. Like, nothing yeah, happened. I'm, I didn't learn. I didn't win. So you can cheat online. It's super duper easy. And even if you're not, like there have been people breaking out videos of Hans, like glancing to the side and shit on his computer. And online tournaments make a lot of money because Twitch is kind of a bigger platform than chess will ever be. No disrespect. I mean, that's, that's how money is made. Uh, people watching things. That's why the NFL and college football is worth billions of dollars. So he's a known cheater, right? So then... Carlson doesn't accuse him. He resigns because of contractual reasons. He can't just come out and say, I'm accusing him of cheating. Immediately, immediately, a couple of the biggest GMs in the world and the most famous chess player. I would say that in terms of people who actually know who he is and follow him on a daily basis, Akaru Nakamura is the most famous chess player of all time. Day in and day out, he's like the guy. And he is top seven to top 15-ish pretty consistently in that range. Like, he is in Magnus's realm. Like, if, if Hakaro beat Magnus, it wouldn't be that weird. No, if, if Hakaro beat... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back on that one. If Hakaro beat Magnus, it would be remarkable because Magnus owns Hikaru. Yeah, okay, So, but it wouldn't... Like, if, if someone at Hakaro's level beat Magnus, it would be very normal. Yeah, that's that. But that, he that's does fair. own him well, mentally, yes. Well, And... and you, Right away, you can see like a contrast, which is why I think Magnus reacting in this way is such a big deal. Hikaru Nakamura is a bad sport. Yeah, like he's he's, he's not like a good 
guy. Yeah, and, and also uh, he's he's a baby towards Magnus too, which is interesting yeah. because immediately Hikaru is like that motherfucker's cheating. Yep, immediately, yeah. and then he caught him also in a weird interview. So immediately after all this breaks down, Magnus quits the tournament. He's like, I'm not going to be a part of this. And, and, and this, for St. Louis, this is a boondoggle because like he is a big deal to have there. People want the opportunity to play against him and with him and watch him and meet him and all that kind of stuff. He, he's a celebrity. It, it is many, he is many, 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 many times more famous in chess than Michael Jordan was in basketball. It's, he just, he's like, he's like Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. He's like uh, Wayne Gretzky. I mean, he's just, <laughs> he's just better than everybody. Yes. And it's, and it's, it makes him a celebrity, right? So he quits the tournament, which is it, out of control. Within 24 hours, the entire chess community was hinting at stuff on Twitter and on Reddit, and I didn't wasn't paying attention. I didn't know about this cheating thing. My assumption was that it was they were inferring like Magnus is is his mental health okay? Like he's being a baby. What they were inferring to is that he was cheating. Within 24 hours, Sakaru jumps on the bandwagon. It's like this dude is cheating. This would never happen. Then Hans gave an interview with Chestock or somebody to come out and he very much like put his hat in his hands and he was very much like the sob story like I can't believe this is happening to me yes I did cheat when I was 12 and I helped someone cheat when I was 17 and I cheated when I was 19 online but I, this is real okay sure and then he talks about the game specifically and I forget the exact breakdown of a move but it was around the 15th line of something that Magnus has played many times and Hikaru's like I looked through all of his games on chess base never in blitz anything classical ever has he played this move G3 and he did in this tournament. And, Han, and Hikari was like, he, didn't, he couldn't have prepared for that. He said he prepared for that. He couldn't have prepared for that because he's never yeah, played it. Right. So there's, there's some external factor here beyond right. just like a really great player preparing to play the best player of all time. And right. there, there's, there's additional resources at work here. And I just, I just want to add, like, I'm, I'm going to pile on. <sighs> Understanding that Hans Niemann is a 19-year-old kid. He's an adult. He's the youngest adult you can possibly be. Hans Niemann is a brat. He's, He's a, a spoiled, rotten, arrogant little jerk. Yes. I, I mean, if you if you watch this dude play, he's like, his, his streams are just like him screaming about how great he is all the time and all this stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, no kidding. You're really great. Like, he could he could be a really, truly remarkable player he is, yeah. if it weren't for the cheating thing. So for him <laughs> to be an arrogant little prick on top of having right. repeatedly admitted to cheating and now being credibly, verifiably accused again of cheating in a high-profile events, like, you can understand, like, fool me once type of deal. Uh, not with Hans Niemann. Not, right. with, not with a little brat like this, like this kind of shitty attitude. And it, it's, it's a real shame because, you know, there's, like, sides picking and people yeah, saying, like, yeah. well, Magnus handled this in this kind of terrible way. I mean, I don't know how else you're it's supposed also xenophobic to respond to somebody. Actually, what's that? There's some xenophobia going on too. I, I mean, I don't, I don't have any doubt about that. I mean, there's, yeah. there's all kinds of that. Americans hate Magnus just out of jealousy for sure, and yeah. because there have been Hikaru Nakamura and then another player, Fabiano Caruana, got very close to being as good as him. They couldn't do it, and yeah. like that is what it is. So here's Hans, like this American kid getting bullied by Magnus. So this goes on, and then Magnus breaks his. His silence a couple of weeks ago after tournaments had finished and he was contractually allowed to do so. And he said one of the things he noted, and this is an important part of this entire episode, which was that he wasn't, he was like, he wasn't stressed out about this game. Like while I was watching him, he had no body language. He made his moves rather quickly. And I was like, which is important for Magnus because I didn't get too far into chess talk. But one thing that he's really famous for is doing things that are not necessarily like crazy, but they do, he does things in a weird way to make his opponents sweat. Like he's, he wants them to be mentally exhausted he, he creates marathons the only way you can beat him is if you go right at him you gotta be like crazy aggressive otherwise he's gonna make you tired because he doesn't get tired 
that's his sort of deal. So when he's watching someone, like playing the man across the board is kind of his deal. So he's watching this and he's like, okay, again, there's no evidence other than like all of the evidence that's on the board and then hit this guy's history. So there's no evidence. So a lot of Americans are like, you know, is Magnus being a sore loser? Well, about a week before he released a statement saying why he thought he was cheating, all of the other top tens, like the Mount Rushmore of living chess players are like, cheater, he's a cheater, he's a cheater, he's a cheater. And all of them, and I think it was Jan Nepomniachi who's going to be the next G- grand ma- or a world champion probably because Magnus forewent it because he's chasing something else. He's essentially going for the all-time record instead of defending his title, which is a different conversation. But yeah, it's annoying. But Jan, who was the runner-up, the second best player in the world for like whatever, and then he's going to was going to challenge again for a rematch with Magnus, he was like, yeah, that guy cannot, he is not good enough at chess to play this well, period. Like, he's not this good, yeah, which is that, part of the deal. That's one of the things about chess, too. Like, if, if, you've, if you've been with us all the way from the beginning, we had a take, we, we discussed in our very first episode, we talked about chess and we talked about the Queen's Gambit. And one of the things about that show that kind of, it didn't really, I don't want to say bothered is the, is the term, more like uh, it just kind of made me think about Chess is a really, really, really hard game. I mean, it's not like a standard board game where you can just like pick it up. What's up, Kim? <laughs> My wife in the background. Guest <laughs> Does not want to be in the background. <laughs> Go get your watch. But chess is it, it, chess is a very, very hard game. It's so complex. I mean, there there are more ways to play a game than there are atoms in the observable universe. Right. So, I, I, you you can't just be really good at it with raw talent and that, like the thing about queen's gambit that kind of got to me was like well this player doesn't really experience any chess adversity it's all off the board which is right. great for storytelling but if young players look at that and say like oh okay well i'll play chess and i'll just be really good and they realize how hard it is and they realize how good everybody else is at playing the game and they lose and they experience actual challenges of getting better at chess like they might quit well Chess, you, you, you're not born a genius. I think there's only really one true verifiable chess genius ever from, like, early childhood, and that's mm-hmm. Jose Raul Capablanca. Like, mm-hmm. even Bobby Fischer, like, I read Bobby Fischer's biography several years ago, and even he was, like, he was not a great player as, like, a li- really little kid until he played for thousands and thousands of hours and just obsessed over the game. And it was more of his obsessive personality type rather than just raw talent for the game of chess that made yeah. him a great player like you you can't just get good at it right and poker so, is the same way which we'll get into in a second right so so what you said early on about like the results here like the experts that surround the game can say like all right there's something re- really strange here like unexpected results happening is one thing really truly exceptional never before seen types of results like hans neiman beating magnus carlson over the board there's got to be something else at play here. Right. And they have, and that's what's weird is that all of the chess people, so like, and this is what's really strange because I just saw Ben Feingold saying that like Magnus was being a sore loser, which is really strange because Magnus does have like a little bit of like, we've been kissing his ass a lot. And like, he's, we been, have, he's been sniffing his own farts. Yes. And we have been, we have enabled, we've kind of created a little bit of a monster. But then there's also like all of, all of them who also have rivalries with Magnus, but who are many, many times better than Hans are also like, that motherfucker couldn't be me like that. No chance. I would kill right. him. And Hikaru is like, he's not in my, co- he's not in the conversation with me. Like I would, I would obliterate him because they're, they're in Magnus's neighborhood and them not beating Magnus is like as much mental as it is anything else. They just can't get over the hump. Hans beating one of those guys would be equally as crazy. Like, if Hans beat Anishigiri like that or Hikaru Nakamura would be like, mm, hmm. yeah, there's something, there's something to work. It'd be, it'd be like if I walked into the Sinkfield cup 
right. and just entered just as like, I want to challenge the field right. at large and like ended up <laughs> winning the thing. Like there, there is no way. Guys, I try really hard to play chess, but it's just a different stratosphere. It's not like one of those games like, you know, you watch sports movies and like the small, slow, undersized, under-talented team yeah, yeah, triumphs yeah, yeah. together over the big, bad adversary. Like chess is not like that. Right. It doesn't matter how well I play or how hard I try. Like you cannot come back once you're down a certain amount. You cannot beat a player who's just better. Like it just right. doesn't happen. Right. You can play theoretically very well and still not win, which is like, which is a really crazy thing. So we're going to talk about that with poker too. So our transition to the poker thing is going to be this. We're going to wrap up the Hans thing with this. He's a known cheater. He's been a known conspiracy. He's helped his, his teacher cheat. That's confirmed. That came out just recently. Like, oh, you were also the guy that was feeding this guy moves during an over-the-board tournament, so you know how to do it. Got it. So your mentor taught you to be a cheater. That all of the, the geniuses are, like, the only people pushing back are Americans who have a vested interest in the success of chess in St. Louis. And everybody, like, you've already been banned. You can't play online because of this. And chess.com is like, we're going to investigate. So all of that aside, the most damning evidence to me is that after... Magnus quit the tournament. Hans, who I think was two and one or one and one at the time, went 0 and six. And he had no more wins. I think actually it was like 0, 4 and two, right? So he had two draws and I think four losses or something. He was irrelevant for the rest of the tournament. I might be getting that wrong. The point is he didn't win anymore. And he just destroyed Magnus Carlsen. And he didn't win anymore, which means that while people are like, let's let's see it, he sucked bad. And that to me is damning evidence. And then the exact same thing sort of happened in poker. So let's talk about poker. I will break down what happened. In these high roller events, right? In the World Series of Poker, the main event, the one everyone watches, like any, any, any Joe off the street can sign up, which makes it really intense for pros because like, you don't know that guy. High roller tournaments, there are basically a thousand poker players. They all know each other. Sometimes they play clubs. Sometimes they play tournaments. They go to this resort. They go to that resort. They all generally know each other, right? So this woman named Robbie, I actually don't know her first name. I should probably look that, that, that up. This, this woman and this man are throwing down, right? So in the tournament, which is a, a table of eight or nine people playing poker, I think it was eight, they're, they're just playing. It's a hand. So in poker, the variables are what your cards are, what the communal cards are, and what the bets are. In Texas Hold'em Poker, it's you get cards, you bet or don't. You, we get three communal cards, you bet or don't. You get another communal card, you bet or don't. You get another communal card, you bet or don't. And that's... That's Texas Hold'em poker, right? So essentially what happened was this guy had a hand that was, it could have become a straight because of the three communal cards. He could have gotten a seven or a jack and he would have seven, eight, nine, ten, jack or whatever, right? Was chasing a straight. This woman had jack four. There were no pairs in the board. She had no possibility of a straight after, of, after a while and she had no possibility of a flush. This guy bet small, then he bet big and then he went all in. Right, He pushed her because he had more chips than she did. He pushed her all in. He was like, you need to shove all in here to prove that you have a better hand than me. She called him like immediately. It's called a hero call where you're like, I'm just going to bank on you not having anything. It's catching a bluff. She thinks he's bluffing. She's obviously bluffing. Statistically, he should have a better chance to win the hand. However, and, and any good any good any good poker player would know that. By the way, right. it's not oh. like these guys are going in completely blind. Like they they know what the odds are for getting certain hands. They know what the conditions are at the table. They've been playing with each other, so like the the, the patterns are very well established. Like this is right. not just betting in a vacuum. Correct, and they know like and bet sizing is the most important. Like that's where the art of it comes in. Like how much do I bet? To, am I trying to tell them, you're trying to tell a story, either the truth or a lie or the semi truth with how much money you're betting? Like I have the best cards. 
I don't have the best cards. I probably have the best cards. How quickly you call or raise is part of it too because you want to like entrap them. It's, you're trying to screw with their brain a little bit. And there's some great examples online of people really uh, having some artistic cool shit happen. So this happens. She flips over her cards. She's got jack high and she called an all-in bet with jack high and, and the table is like, holy shit. And everyone is, immediately, everyone is impressed. The guy that she beats is like, silent and i'm gonna play a clip and i hope that you can hear it but this is what happens when he finally after like 90 seconds of just staring off into space at first it was disbelief and then it was like a little contemplation and then he broke his silence my jack was in a club i would have been out what do you mean if your jack was in a club you know you've let me do this to you several times now yeah i don't don't know i'm just testing it yeah this doesn't seem super funny to me, honestly. No, like when you, bet, when you bet that like high risk yeah. stack, why are you going on twice? This is live, by the way. It's high. Uh huh. And then, so why call with Jack Eye then? First of all, a little bit of a straight throw, but I have blockers on there. No, 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 on the turn though. So you called all in on the turn because. Because yeah, yeah. you don't have shit. That's right. She you thinks you can't be a Jack High. Okay. Okay, so immediately a couple things happen here. He starts breaking his silence. He's like, well, what was happening? And she starts talking about how she beat him. And she caught herself in a little bit of a loop. And internet sleuths have identified a, a thing sticking out of her pocket and how she had a ruby in her ring. And then she's screwing around below the table. And then the ruby Curious. in the ring is gone. The yeah. ruby in the ring. Is, wait, so there's, there's like an, a, a vid, visual evidence of like artifacts on her accessories changing? Correct. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So then the thing that happens, and this is the thing with, with Hans, what happens is after immediately, and I guess I could play this clip. Um, it won't be good audio. Maybe I'll put it in a post. So what happens is she leaves, he leaves, and they're like going to go talk and everyone else is playing and the guys that are playing. So they're not mic'd up. They're off camera. And so the guys are like, that are still playing can see it happening. And they're like, she's giving the money back. Like he's making her give the money back. And so like they're immediately the table's starting to split because half the table's like, this is fishy. And the other half of the table is like, fuck that guy. He's been a sore loser. So very much the same thing. So, and this is happening live for these other poker geniuses. And the, the move that she did was brilliant because it would have been one of the craziest calls of all time. But then she started fucking talking about it. And now it looks very much like she was cheating. So she gives the money back because he threatens her with this. You know this was going to be viewed by millions of people, right? It's $150,000 on the line. That is a felony period. That's prison time. Yeah, it's and we will get into some felonies later on with oh, our with fishing. our third scandal. Right. But th- this is another case where in in the game, the results on the board, the results on the table, they kind of speak for themselves. Uh-huh. And one of the crazy things about this is like how experts are able to just identify like, all right, this is probably cheating versus like this probably isn't. But there is some plausible deniability there. Right. I mean, the, the, the people who are doing the cheating, Hans Neiman is a good chess player. This right. woman is, a, is, is an established poker player. Like she's Correct. been in these circles. Like she, she uh, had turned her slip of the tongue into kind of a showboating, gloating type of deal there, which is, which is very common in poker. I mean, if oh, you yeah. watch it, any yeah. online poker, players do that all the time. So like, it's not like this is an unknown quantity coming out of nowhere. It's, right. it's not like, and, and, and the thing is these cheaters are counting on the results being interpreted in a favorable way. Like, wow, right. that's a crazy call. Like this person must be a really good player right. or man, really impressive preparation here from this guy. He must've really gone in depth and right. improved his play so that he could get the result on the board. And it's, it's kind of open to a matter of interpretation. Like as it's happening live, like you said, the table was split on, on the poker game because 
there is some plausible deniability. Like you, right. the, the results don't necessarily speak for themselves. Right. Like they can so, either be a red flag or they can be the thing that acquits you. So there, that, that, that's one of the things that enables cheating is that like, all right, well, the, we, we all see what the money is. We all see what the cards are. So the hand plays itself out the way the hand plays itself out. Right. And so, it's a, yeah, go ahead. No, that, that, that's, that's yeah. really the end of the idea. Right. So like the results are kind of open to interpretation and like, yeah. that's the yeah. first place you to start to investigate whether cheating has occurred. It seems obvious, right. but you got to look at what happens on the actual field of play. Right. And it, the, the other thing about it is, is what's really strange is like, and I, this is what I don't understand. I didn't look this much into it. So either the, the, the broadcast is live, which poker really for years and years like fought against doing that. And they would tape delay things. And some, they'll do a lot of blind stuff just to see how people bet. Like that's high level poker nerddom to watch blind poker, um, which is, it actually is way, 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 way better to study if you're trying to get better watching blind poker. So you can like, it's like playing poker. So um, the, the question is like how, who was signaling to her what he has? Because it's, it would have been just very simple, like he has it or he doesn't, or like how would she understand what's going on? Where is this interpretation coming? And that will bring us back to the anal beads thing in chess. The idea was that there was a buzzer in his shoe or there was a buzzer in his anal cavity, which like if you think that this guy, that this much of a genius who is a Gen Zer raised in this mantra wouldn't shove something in his asshole to cheat, you're not paying attention. They would absolutely do that. So she's got this ring that's in like TikTok was on this shit lickety split they were like there's a ring goes under here the the gem is gone where'd the gem go huh interesting the thing that she does that's the most incriminating is give the money back because unlike hans and we'll get into this with the bass fisherman hans screwed magnus then he lost nothing he cheated magnus and there's probably a legal argument there but he didn't steal money from people this chick if she's cheating stole fucking money a yes. lot, a felony's worth of money. And she did it on purpose, knowingly, with intent, and there's evidence. What's really interesting, too, when we talk about, like, the expertise being able to sniff out when something's bullshit, is the table immediately was like, damn, she's good. And, like, there is a push in poker, just like there's a push in chess to be like, women are players. We need more women. Don't assume the woman is cheating because she beat this guy. So immediately the table's like, damn, you a bad motherfucker. And then, there, then she gave the money back, and the table's like, why'd she give the money back? And she was, hmm. why'd she give the money? Curious. Yeah, so it, it, it was, it's a real, like, why the two orders? Like, right. if Santiago oh. wasn't to be touched, then why Good would reference. he need to be transferred? Yeah, it, 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 that's, always to be followed. Yeah, the, so the, the, the results are not, they're the beginning of the story, but they're, right. they're certainly not the end of the story. And, like, this, this, whole, this whole buzzer thing, I mean, we, you mentioned the Houston Astros at the beginning. There's right. video evidence of, uh, is, it, yeah. is it Costello? Uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, number 27. He's like... Uh, Jose Altuve, the short guy. Altuve, yeah. So he hit the home run. Altuve hits a home run at home in To walk the off to go to the World Series. Yeah, incredible, incredible. And so, you know, if you've ever seen a team win a pennant, they do all kinds of crazy celebrations and they're like dumping water and stuff all over each other and just like screaming and shouting. They rip each other's jerseys off. It's just, in general, a lot of stuff happens. And as Altuve is running down the third base path to go home to put his foot on the plate and send the Astros to the World Series. He, like, stops his teammates from jumping in on the celebration. And if you read his lips, he says, I'm wearing a piece. Mm-hmm. Like, he's wearing a device that somehow helped him hit that home run. And so, like, right. it's it's remarkable. Like, you don't have to have, like, a microphone and an earpiece, like Avengers style, where somebody is speaking into your ear. You can have something simple as like a Morse code or even like a, a, a binary yes or no, like one buzz for yes, two buzzes for no. And 
in in a predetermined system of communication, you can use that as like a go thing. The Astros did it very simply. It, like they had a uh, an audio cue with somebody literally hitting a trash can with a baseball bat inside mm-hmm. their clubhouse when they knew a fastball was coming. So you hear these two thumps. So you can go and you can go back online and look through footage of Astros games, and you can find like the audio file and identify exactly where these sounds occurred and when the Astros swung the bat and when they didn't. And so it's very, very rudimentary, like primitive communication to give the go or no go. So for these players like Hans Neiman or this woman could potentially be wearing a buzzer, like the, the joke is like, well, where would you where would you put it? And that's where the anal right. beads thing comes from. And, right. and Nick, you're absolutely right. These players, Hans, Hans Neiman would 100% shove a vibrating device up his ass during competition if it means beating Magnus Carlsen. Yeah, and like people do that. They they put drugs inside of themselves all the time, you know, under penalty of death. Like, and if you're if you're vain enough, and he is a douchebag uh, to beat Magnus, like, oh, that's like literally nothing. Like, that's no, I mean, that's a small. That's not even a sacrifice. Like, fuck yeah, I would do that. Like, that of course it makes sense. So yeah, Jose Altuve, he points at it, like I'm wearing a buzzer in the biggest moment ever, and then he goes to the dugout, and then he comes back, and like, oh. Okay, so you took it off. Because it started with just dudes banging trash cans. And I was all here for the debate of, they're in the stadium. Like, I, I, baseball has this weird antiquated thing. It was like, don't steal signs. Like, bitch, I saw your sign. And well, if, the, I, the knew, thing, if but, I saw Russia's war plans, they'd be like, hey, they're going here now. But the, but the thing about the sign stealing is that, like, okay, if, it's one thing for people to, like, observe their opponents doing things yeah. and interpret that correctly and get the right information. They're doing video. The Astros were using technology to do it. Mm-hmm. Baseball wasn't designed to have cameras... It 50 different places in the field, one of which could be commandeered by the adversary to pick up information that right. you're trying so. to keep secret. So, so to use to use stuff that's external to the game like that, that's horseshit. And the right. Astros absolutely 100%, were doing it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Of course, the the Patriots did that when they videotaped plays. But Bill Bill Belichick is an actual cheating genius because he knows not to do crazy enough shit to get caught. They still had to win the game. He chilled out on it. He's He's brilliant because he is an actual relaxed chess player. Like he sees the board and understands like not too much, not too much because then, yeah, the lady doth protest too much is what's going to happen. So we've seen the first couple examples, the Astros with their videotape and their buzzer, Hans Neiman with his buzzing anal beads and uh, Robbie with her buzzer ring, buzzer pocket thing, right? So these are all could not have happened 10 years ago before RFID technology made it super simple and instant technology. One quick aside about that, which we'll discuss in a minute. All of these people were caught because people on the internet had access to all of the information too, which is a fascinating part of this. Everybody was like, hmm, and then they found it on their own. Like nobody even had to investigate. Like the Astros were, it was literally a nerd who went back and watched every Astros game. We figured it out, which is crazy. Shout, shout out to John Boy Media. He, he's oh, the yeah, first he's guy that I, that I saw really break that story. He's and he hero. was like, he, it wasn't like, there's something strange going on with the Astros. He was like, the Astros are cheating and I can verify that with proof. Like, and yep. he, he went on, he, he got interviewed and he was on a bunch of podcasts and yep. all this stuff. And, and he's since you know, risen to fame, but that really was like a watershed deal where like, he's just a baseball fan trying to make a career out of talking about baseball on the internet. And he found like a no shit verifiable cheating scandal. And so like, yeah, 10, 10, 15 years ago, you couldn't have, you couldn't have really done something like this at the speed at which we're doing it today. Immediately. Yeah. It's the same thing happened last summer in baseball with spider tack, which is the stuff that pitchers put on their hands to make the ball spin and whatnot. But just assume everyone in baseball is trying to cheat perpetually. It's a dirty game. So this, all of this stuff happens because of technology and they're caught because of technology. So let's go to something that has nothing to do with technology. This is antiquated. You could have cheated like this back in the days of ancient Greece, Chris. Let's finish up with our Bass Pro Shop. Uh, it was Walleye Derby. What the fuck happened here? Yeah. 
So, as we said at the top of the show, during the middle of the day in college football Saturday, yesterday, a video surfaced on the internet of two guys standing by while somebody cut open fish that they had fished out of Lake Erie in an annual bass fishing contest and just pulled a ton of weights and actual fillets of fish out of the guts of fish that these guys had purported to catch. Uh, so the, the, these two competitors were accused of, of stuffing their walleye with weights at this. Uh, it was a professional fish. It was like the Ohio Pro Fishing, I guess, Association or League or something. It was a sanctioned right. event. And officials in Cleveland cut open these fish and, and saw that there were weights in like all of them. And if yeah. you watch the video, it's it's shocking how many weights there are, how many fillets of fish there are inside these fish, and how many fish have all of those things inside them. It's <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. And so, naturally, the fishing world is up in arms. The everybody at the competition was pissed. And and the real cherry on top here is that these guys had already won the contest. It wasn't like in the middle of determining who the winner is. It was right. like, all right, these guys have been celebrated and congratulated. Like, oh, good for you guys. You're the best fishing duo on the thing. And, oh, shockingly, uh, Chase Kaminsky and Jake Runyon, you guys are <laughs> cheaters. Like, there's yeah. a reason. If, if, if you're watching, like, I, I see this all the time. Like, I've watched enough Notre Dame football to know what a terrible <laughs> offense looks like. So when a player, like, finds a seam or makes it to the edge and springs a big run or has, like, an amazing play all the way down the field, it's like, well, Hold gee it. whiz, how did this person get a huge hole? Oh, it's probably <laughs> because the flag on the field for holding. Like, yeah. no wonder that's illegal. Right. Like, in the same vein, how do these guys win derby after derby in the Ohio Pro Fishing League? Oh, it's because they're putting lead weights into all of their fucking fish and cheating. It's like it's another case where the results of the contest are the thing that tip you off that the contest wasn't fair. Right, which is really fascinating. So in the video, which I think the video is essentially someone's videoing uh, the investigation, not like what preempted the investigation, not the accusation. So that. That this literally happened as we record this twenty four hours ago. So we, I'm sure, on Monday, you know, we're doing this podcast. I fully expect the New York Times or Wall Street Journal to be like, "What's going on in cheating?" We got to hear first. So we're gonna find out more about this in the video. The all of the fishermen who you can hear, and this, none of it is really clear. First of all, the way that they cuss, you can tell a lot about a situation by the way someone says "motherfucker." Mm-hmm. There are times like when Samuel L. Jackson says it, you can tell when he's just like doing it casually, like he would like call your mom "sup, motherfucker," like. That's one thing. The way that these people are saying that term is like, you should run. They're going to kill you. This is yeah, a violent like so, situation. Somebody's now. prepared to, to, to strike another yeah. human being. It's got what's happening. Right. And like these people got out of there and they're like, they've been doing this shit for years. Like they're yelling at them and they pull all this shit out of there. But there was one sentence in the video that was like, there it is. One guy was like, that fish is bigger. That one, <laughs> that fish is bigger. How'd they win? And you're like, that's a good fucking point. There are no fish weight rooms, I don't think. Like, how is that one that much heavier than that one? That one's bigger. Like, and you can it, see it, it with his amazing. eyes. Like, you could see it on on this, the, the video. Like, yeah. the fish looks misshapen. It's like, huh, what's going on with the inside of this fish? Like, did they just happen to catch the one walleye in Lake Erie that's, like, made entirely of titanium? Huh. <laughs> It, it's it's so like it's it's hilarious to see in hindsight, and it, it's kind of shocking that nobody caught it before you know all the awards and whatever else. Like, right. I don't know how the video got started. It kind of begins, as you said, in the middle of the investigation, but just 
it's so funny to see like something that's so clearly cheating. Like there, it, it, there's not the same plausible denial, but like you can cut open a fish and determine if there's something in there. It's not like, Oh, uh, you know, she's just bluffing really well, or he's just right. prepared really well for this game. Like, right. Exactly. Like, oh, does your fish shop at there. Kroger and have some salmon today? Like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. And you know, the, the, the funny thing about this to me is that th this isn't the first like cheating scandal where people were just putting larger stuff inside of fish that shouldn't be there. I or, don't know about or that. tell me. Uh, you know, there's there's a story, uh, Nick, from the New York Times from 2020 about a fishing contest in Lake Powell in down in southern Utah. Yeah, these guys in October of 2018 caught some fish that were like a lot bigger, and they just looked different from all the other fish that competitors were pulling out of the lake. And there was this two year long investigation that involved like felony charges, like third class felony charges for these guys for tampering with a competition. Uh, for uh, over this like $2,500 prize for fishing in Lake Powell. And th this New York Times piece goes on to describe the way that scientific evidence, like forensic science was used to verify, like biologically, this fish didn't come from this lake. And they called like the Utah Wildlife Preservation Damn. Agency. Like the government got involved with this. And like, there's a picture of the two fish, of uh, like a normal fish caught from Lake Powell versus a fish that was clearly tampered with, didn't come from Lake Powell and possibly even had shit in it. Like, the fins aren't the same color. <laughs> One fish is so much larger than the other fish in like a weird misshapen way. It's not like it's a difference between like if you, you know, when you're in like Microsoft Word and you click and drag the corner of a picture and just make it larger. It's not like that. It's like yeah. somebody messed with this image. It's like a different fish. Yeah. So for these guys to be, be claiming that like they, they, caught a fish out of Lake Powell when they obviously caught it somewhere else, brought it with them and had it in the boat. And so like, Oh, look, we won. It, it's, it's amazing to me. And like I said, these guys were charged with, with third class felonies. And, and uh, this happened a couple of years ago, like in 2018, but you know, history repeats itself. Cheaters are going to cheat when plausible deniability gives people an opportunity. Somebody is going to step in and fill the gap. And that to me, that's one of the interesting game theory things about this, Nick, is that like people are really actually incentivized to do the wrong thing. Yeah, but kind of. So the, it's it, the the difference is that the scales balance go back the other way as well. Could you imagine yeah, scales, going to fishing? Yeah. Ah, when we did the thing earlier with the fishy, that was really good, man. You're funny. Right, what can insane. I say? I'm on a, I'm yeah. on a roll today. You, you you are on a roll today. The thing that I noticed about this, and we we started breaking this down in our fraudster files when we go through, and we got another one coming up in in November. I'm super excited about. Um, there's a difference between being a fraudster and a snake oil salesman and kind of a moron and someone who's disciplined and knows to shut the fuck up and like knows to skim some off the top. Like there is a difference between Bill Belichick cheating for the Patriots and what the Astros did. Bill Belichick would never get caught. And if he did get caught, he would be minimally punished and he would know to shut up and he would fire people who didn't. And like that's 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 organization. Those people. And this is I, I have this paper here. Um, it's academic. It's called Lies in Disguise. It was published August 17, 2017. So that was the year that the Astros won the World Series. So it was before that. Otherwise, this poor academician who worked on this, it must look like, it looks like probably like 10 years. This is a real paper with a lot of, uh, a lot of citations and a lot of parentheses, which is like, you, that's how you know, like you're serious. There are a lot of parentheses. How, how many times do you see the, the, the abbreviation IBID? It's Martin Duffwinberg and Martin A. Duffwinberg. So I'm going to assume <laughs> father and son. Shout out to the Duffenbergs. Yeah, what's, what's up? So the, the idea is, is very simple. Uh, the only conflicting thing that cheaters have is, is being a cheater going to conflict with their sense of self? These people that get caught, they want to be famous. The people yep. that don't get caught, they don't give a shit. That's a different kind of thing. So like I, in the movie Rounders, which is a great poker movie, 
uh, there are the uh, the term rounders are for people who play illegal and legal poker games as a source of income, and they they play hard, tight poker. That's how they feed their families, and they're never going to make it big. They're never going to get famous because they don't take risks. It's their job. They play poker as their job. When people are doing that kind of thing as their job, they would never take a risk to to bluff Jack Four, Jack High on a river for all in. They'd be like, nope. If they were cheating, they'd be like, nope. Nope, because I can't, I can't get caught. I can't get caught. It's the same thing as I can't lose. People that just want to be famous are like, fuck, I don't, like, let's just, let's do it. And to me, that's, that's the real difference here because these dipshits that are cheating in a fishing derby, if you'd have put like less lead weight in there and taken third, you'd have made money, you'd get out of there, you'd do just fine. This is how drug dealers get caught too is they want to be famous. Like, dude, just make your money and like go home. Just do that and shut up. Yeah, this gets it like a counterintelligence idea. I mean, I mean, in the the cyber digital age, mm-hmm. one of the big threats that kind of keeps cybersecurity experts up at night is the possibility that somebody is just like lurking in the system, taking all the information, downloading all the files, doing whatever, and doing that undetected. It's when they start crashing all the mainframes and shutting off the lights and doing all this crazy stuff like that actually gives cybersecurity response teams something to latch onto and they can say okay we know somebody's in the system and now we can concentrate our efforts on trying to like re- like fix things and get them out bill belichick cheating is low level stuff as you said skim it off the top the balls you don't, right you don't want to get caught cheating so right. you have to have good counterintelligence and things that draw attention to yourself are terrible counterintelligence beating magnus carlson is a huge red flag che- like bluffing on a crazy unheard of high risk bluff like that is an enormous risk uh the bass fishing thing to me is very funny because outside the world of bass fishing i don't think the average person really cares whether one fish is bigger than the other. I think it's a very uh, kind of insulated, uh, well, like tight knit uh, community of people who are really into that sort of thing. So the stakes right. are a little bit lower there, but the idea is still the same. Like you don't cheat to take third place because, well, it just doesn't feel as good. It doesn't scratch the same itch right. as winning the annual walleye bash in the Ohio professional fishing league. It does. You know, Robert Dennett and Cameron Wooden, who are the two who cheated in Lake Powell, they didn't want to take third place. They wanted every penny of that twenty five hundred dollar prize. I so these getting these the fish flags, cost more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Like, like they're not doing that to feed their families. Like if they right. were, they would have just take the fish that caught somewhere else or bought somewhere and bring that home to the dinner table. You know, it's Jesus it's about Christ satisfying man. an ego. It's about accomplishing something that's really major. And that goal in and of itself is the thing that I think leads people to to try to get away with cheating. And the thing I said earlier about uh, people are incentivized to cheat like if there's a if there's a vacuum there are people with bad enough motivations out there like the Hans Niemans of the world who are gonna step into that vacuum because they just don't have the scruples to say no this isn't for me like I want to win the game honestly like no they're interested in notoriety they're interested in talking about how great they are they're interested in bragging about beating the world champion and so the incentive there is to satisfy your own ego it's one of the biases that we talked about I mean structurally speaking that bias is baked into every decision that person is ever going to make and so their calculus isn't irrational like okay what's the safest most sustainable way for me to to proceed here uh, you know 19 year old Hans Niemann is not thinking about the reputation and well-being of 75-year-old Hans Niemann. 19-year-old Hans Niemann is thinking about the ego and right. you know, how how wonderful he is. And like how much he can brag about it online for years. Exactly. Yeah. Like, hey, I beat the world champion in over-the-board match. Well, okay, 
if cheating is the way to get be able to make that brag, then cheating is going to happen. So that's right. that's really what the what the incentive structure is about. It's it's about giving into the bias of the egomaniac and satisfying an itch that otherwise it it wouldn't be satisfied with settling for less than the best or less than perfect or less than remarkable. The and the the, de- the disincentive is what's different here, right? So when you think about the prisoner's dilemma, when we bring it back to game theory, is that if you don't participate and cooperate and play by the rules like bad things will happen to you but it's so much different like cheating you can get a leg up with some patience because the anal bead thing if you rig that up like you don't even have to think you don't have to try hard at chess like the computer does it for you so it's totally worth it but the d incentive is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and we notice like in in professional sports teams they kind of get away with it there's a collective union kind of vibe where people just shut up and it's very cronious like the, the the astros but on an individual level all of these people that we're talking about are like in a position where for Hans Zeman, this is his last strike. Like there's a chance that he will never be allowed to play competitive chess, even online ever again. Like he might be banned from being a chess player that has the ability to make money because yeah, people as, are done. As, as, as we, as we record this, I mean, chess.com has been hinting at some kind of stuff and, and I, and to be totally transparent, I think like the chess.coms of the world, they're kind of relishing in a moment like this because yeah. online chess is super popular and they kind right. of like have control of the narrative and they're, they're a little bit in charge. So uh, to, to use a phrase from earlier, they're also sniffing their own farts a little bit about this. hundred percent. You're right. I mean, it, it really is Hans Niemann's last gasp because like whether he goes on to be a great chess player or not, he's always going to be tainted by this. Like, well, you know, he's great, but is he cheating again? Who knows? Yeah. yeah and he's been cheating the whole time. Same thing as these bass guys. Like they can't go. I mean, like if they go to tournaments, like we, we're going to have someone with you the whole time, like in for like days in advance. And you know, what? you should get naked and change into your shit here. Like we want to see. Or they're like, not that's fair enough. Enter and this poker lady, same thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, how is this going to happen? It's the same thing with, with baseball when they, they did steroids. It was like a five game suspension, then ten game suspension. Suspension now, like first offense is fifty. Like that's like for people that are rich, that's like a millions of dollars if they're if they're doing that. It's like, it, it, and the game theory of this, and I'm going to wrap up with, with with this thought. So the disincentive is insane. Like it's off with your head. Like Hans, it, it, like, so he can't go play in this St. Louis tournament again because if it's between him and Magnus, I like, can't have can't have the cheater. What if what if the guys don't want to come here because he's here? Apparently, and I, I forget if it was Anish or uh, Vishwathan Anand, they were like, one of them said, I, I decided not to go when I saw that he was on the roster. I was like, I'm not going. I'm good. I think, I don't I think Magnus originally said something. Like, he, Magnus issued an official statement that said, yeah. you know, Hans is a known cheater. Right. I've protested about him participating in events before because he's a known cheater. And I didn't want to go, but for whatever reason, Magnus Carlson ended up going. And uh, as you said, huge boon to the city of St. Louis, huge boon to the St. Louis chess, like the Hall of Fame there, the, and kind of the, the the real rings of power in mm-hmm. U.S. chess circles. Like this is a, an amazing, amazing get for them to have Magnus showing up at the Singfield Cup once again, and for the reputation to be tarnished by cheating and have him withdraw for the first time in his career, withdraw from competition. Like it's a huge, huge disincentive for the organization to tolerate that kind of thing or so, anywhere else. Right. Right. Yeah, Nobody like in, wants to suffer that kind of reputational damage because they're willing to associate with somebody who does not have integrity for the game. Right. hundred percent. Like it could be so much worse. Like he was a lot of kind of scot-free, like they do tournaments in, in India or China. And like, I could see him getting arrested in China if for like even the suspicion of cheating, like that'd be bad. So like all of these people, the disincentive is bad. What's really interesting about cheating. And this is a very, this is specific to a very group, small group of cheaters. It's just athletes and it's just in sports because there are, there are two kinds of professional athletes or collegiate athletes. It's, it's someone who would cheat to become one of the greatest ever Lance Armstrong or, and this is the more dangerous incentive to not hanging cheaters by their thumbs 
the most vulnerable population to cheating are the people that just need a little more to get that scholarship or a little more to become a pro. Because like if, in the NFL, right? Say, for example, if you're drafted, you have three years under a rookie deal where you're making like a million dollars or so over three or four years or two or three million dollars. But if you get that second contract, it's fully guaranteed or mostly guaranteed. Like there's a difference between having four million and 17 million. Like that is literally more than four times as much. So you're like, I'm willing to take the four and 10 game suspension to like get the, the fucking contract. That's where these people that are, are cheating are, the, those are the people that are getting screwed because their options are you need to cheat like the rest of them or you, you ain't going to make it. It's so like these fishermen, like I have to cheat. I caught a bigger fish and I didn't win. What the fuck are we doing here? Yeah, it, it, it's one of the arguments for actually for performance enhancing drugs being legal. It's like, well, if everybody's doing it, then it's not a competitive edge. I think right. I think, you know, years ago, it, it might have been the case that you can make like an equity based argument like, OK, well, so and so doesn't have the access. They don't have the money to pay right. for some kind of steroid or whatever else. But I mean, it's such a large industry now that like nobody who wants the steroids couldn't get them. Uh, something similar happened in the speech and debate world several years ago, and really COVID kind of accelerated this trend, but it used to be the case that uh, the event extemporaneous speaking, you have 30 minutes to pick a topic, write a speech on that topic, and then five to seven minutes to deliver that speech. It's all supposed to be very off the cuff. I mean, that's that's what extemporaneous, the word extemporaneous means. Right. And it used to be the case that you can't have internet access because as the internet and Wi-Fi became more and more accessible, there was a t period of time when like, okay, some people have smartphones and their parents buy them laptops. Other people are coming from schools that don't have that kind of money. They, they don't have pocket change to go out and buy themselves like Wi-Fi access wherever they go. So it's a real equity thing. And, and to allow the internet in that kind of competition would unfairly disadvantage people who just can't afford it. So, all right, internet's banned. Well, it's become more widely available now. Pretty much yeah. everywhere you go, you can find access yep. to Wi-Fi. Pretty much yeah. everywhere you go, you can get cheap, affordable information that will allow you to enhance, in this case, the preparation of a speech. And so now the internet is allowed. And everybody is given the Wi-Fi information at the start of the tournament, and, and so you're good to go. So, like, raising the bar of competition by allowing this thing that heretofore was not equitably distributed, I think that's one of the most interesting arguments about, like, anabolic steroids or any other kind of performance-enhancing deal. It's like, all right, well, now we're just making a better game, and people are willing to take the risks of, like, the side effects of steroids yep. to get better at it. Well, and that's, that's the big difference. And one of the reasons we didn't want to do like steroids and stuff as like a part of this group is because what happened with these three examples, the fisherman, the poker player and the chess player is like, this is dishonesty on two things. One is that you're using technology to get information, which is kind of like, that's the bullshit of it. It's like you, you didn't come in. This is none of no part of this competition is honest. The second part that's really upsetting is that like the, the fishermen are the most annoying. It's like you, the brazenness of literally like, this is not even a fish. This, this is like a storage unit. Like this is not, or this isn't part of this. The difference is with steroids and any other performance enhancing drugs. Like I know the NFL has like Adderall and cannabis are like being argued for Adder Adderall and uh, uh, amphetamines are performance enhancing drugs because of what they can do to someone who doesn't have ADHD. They can, it's like meth, right? The other one is, is cannabis can kind of make you kind of numb or high or whatever. So it's being debated, not as like a substance that's looked down upon, but like, is this a performance enhancer? We need to discuss that. Any sort of performance enhancing drug, it isn't dishonest in a weird way. It's just like my body's able to do it. And it's, it's the, this point is driven home to me about how weird this line is in the documentary Icarus, which is a 
best documentary I've ever seen. It's, it's so awesome. Go out and watch it right now. Incredible. Won the Oscar. These these guys wanted to make a documentary about how much how bullshit it is about doping and how everyone's doping, and they turned out to like start a world war kind of. So um, it's it, kind of what happened. So mm, yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a weird way uh anyway this guy he's like he's he's a high level cyclist he's a hobbyist pro like he's borderline pro but he's never going to be a pro and he wants to compete at the highest level so he goes there and like all oh, these guys are doping like they're just in so much better shape than me so like i want to see how easy it would be to get away with doping so he finds a guy that's going to help him dope to pass the test and what happens to him in france is just so mind-blowing to me. And th- this argument has happened in baseball. It's happening in baseball right now with the home run thing with Aaron Judge. Like, you still got to hit the ball. The guy goes to France the second time on steroids and having been on steroids for training and like actively cheating. He feels better, and he feels like he did better, but he does worse, and he does worse to competition, but he feels better, which is like there's still a tremendous amount of skill. And the same thing with the speech and debate thing, like, if they have the internet and other people don't have an iPhone, that's cheating. If everybody's got it, it's just there's no difference between knowing what to Google and knowing what to look up at the library. Like, it is the same thing. So if the pitcher is cheating and the hitter is cheating, no one's cheating. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really... It's, it's an interesting offset, and I, and I think really the, the place where I draw the line personally is where does the cheating stop having to do with your skill at the thing you purport to be doing? Have, yeah. Like shoving a vibrator up your ass and getting signals from somebody who's watching the game next to a computer, that is not uh, th- that doesn't reflect on your ability as a chess player. It Correct. reflects on your ability to interpret a vibrator and move a piece of plastic on a chessboard. It, it, knowing when to call somebody versus when not to call somebody is a poker skill. Having somebody do that for you because they know what the other guy is holding, that doesn't have anything to do with your ability as a poker player. So when you start using technology in way, like, to like circumvent the point of the game, that I think is where you have crossed the line from like pushing the boundary of competition and started going into to just doing a different activity and getting rewarded for it. Yeah, 100%. And you can kind of tell, like for me, the best ex- example of like what kind of person you are is have you ever noticed or would you ever feel inclined to cheat at trivia at a brewery? Because people do that. Kim, yeah, my, my wife, Kim, and I, we look up answers all the time after we put it down and we never change it. We're like, fuck, that happens to us all the time. Don't cheat at trivia night, player three. I'll kick your ass. Yeah, that Amazon gift card is totally not worth being a douchebag about it. Absolutely not. No, it's not. I'll buy you the wings myself. Uh, can't wait for our next Frosty Files, because we're going to do wine. We're going to do a wine cheat. Ah, uh, yes. Fraud in the wine world. Mm. Tasty. Tasty. Too tasty. Yeah, one bottle a day. For the yeah. antioxidants, of course. <laughs> <laughs>